We are in Matthew chapter 10, please. Matthew chapter 10. If you were in Sunday school this morning, I continually, and I don't want to know why, this thing, I lost the foamy from it, so it has this thing where it's, and it wasn't you, Dan, it's gone, been gone for a couple of days, I don't know what happened to it, but if it's a little hissy when I'm speaking, that little foam thing's gone, so you'll just have to put up with it. Um, looking at this, uh, this upcoming sermon, and if you were in Sunday school this morning, I was in the back going, woo, 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 because over and over, and it shouldn't surprise me, but no matter where we are in the scripture, Dan could be teaching Old Testament, I could be teaching New Testament, we could be going over God's word anywhere, and they meld together perfectly. Because God's word, even though it was written by 40 different authors over, what, 4,000 year period of time in three different languages from three different continents, it's one big book because God's Holy Spirit put it together. And so when Dan uh, teaches stuff uh, in Sunday school and it dovetails perfectly together what we're we're talking about on Sunday morning, it's exciting. And so uh, Paul, in... Sunday school through what Dan was teaching and get the recording I uh, was telling Timothy about some of the things in this world to be weary of and um, and we talked about uh, I'll leave the trivia answer to, you'll have to go look it up yourself um, but uh, how many times God warns us about things in this world uh, to look out for and Jesus did the same thing so if you've been here for the last couple of weeks Jesus selects out his 12 disciples, apostles, and sends them out into the world with a message of the kingdom to the Jews, okay? And last week, we talked about as he sent them, okay, he gave them a special calling, right? He sent them and talked about some things that uh, they would be able to do, fulfilling the Old Testament in some healings and some signs and some wonders. Well, today, what we're looking at is that... um, as they're sent out, Jesus gives them a list of warnings to look out for, okay? Warnings for themselves personally, and then warnings about the kind of response and the kind of uh, acceptance they would get when they go share this message. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at the, Jesus sends them out with a warning, with several warnings. We'll look at a couple of them this morning, and then we'll look some more at them next week. But um, it's important that we understand that no matter who in the scripture is talking about us going out and delivering this message to the world, that there are some qualifications and some uh, considerations that we better put in our minds. Uh, If you've ever gone out and tried to tell somebody about the Lord Jesus and spread the message of the good news of the gospel, you realize it's not always going to be easy. Okay, and remember last week, Jesus said, listen, if you go to a house and bring the son of peace, and that house or that city doesn't want to accept it, what did he say to do? Wipe your feet off and move on and find somebody who's willing to listen. You know, he says, don't beat your head against the wall, don't get frustrated. If somebody's ready to listen to the message of Jesus Christ, then great. If they're not, God hasn't worked on them long enough. And we talked about the fact that Jesus said, behold, the harvest is ready, right? Well, the harvest, sometimes I go out there, and I talked about this last week, and I can't help it because I'm a gardening nut. Um, I go out there, and I'm sitting there looking at my tomato plants because all the tomatoes are still green. 
And I know there are recipes you can get green tomato, but I'm, I, come on, Lord, give me a red one. I'm ready. I, I want sometimes the harvest to come sooner than it's ready. And God says, listen, if you go out and share this message and it's, it's, the person's not ready to hear it, let it percolate a little while. Because you know what? Isn't it the truth that it's not us delivering the message, but it's God's Holy Spirit working on that person from the inside that makes it true? So I can go ahead and tell somebody about it, and maybe God just hasn't poked at them enough for them to be ready. I just got to back off and say, okay, you don't want to hear it now? I'm going to go find somebody who will. Well, Jesus furthers that warning by what we're going to look at today. But before we do that, I want to put up this slide again. Okay, we talk about stages and growth and that Jesus got to the point where now he's sending these apostles out. Up till now, he's been working on them, growing them, training them, bringing them from this point of salvation to the point of service, to the point of sacrifice. Okay, so Jesus is now, and this is part of discipleship as a whole that we do as a church, is you don't just give people biblical information. You want to give people information that gears them to be able to fulfill these steps that God wants them to do. Just like a little kindergartner, I don't go and plop them in the middle of a geometry class. Okay, you take small steps, and Jesus works his disciples through this pattern in all the Gospels, and the Apostle Paul and everything does it with Timothy, does it with Titus. We're preparing one another to get to the stages that God wants us to be. Every single person's goal, again, is to call to shepherd. And we'll talk about that in a minute, all right? Uh, because it, God brings it up a little bit in this passage as well, that sharing God's truth with other people is the ultimate goal for every believer. Okay? Not just, I, I love you, and we've got pews and we've got a church, so it fits. I'm not talking about you individually, but there are churches all across America where people have been plunking in the place in the pew for 30 years and haven't done anything different. Is that what God wants? God's just looking to make sure we spend an hour a week uh, sitting in a church and that he's happy? No. Okay, God wants us to be working through this system. Yes, that's important because we get to fellowship, we get to learn from God's word, we get to hold each other accountable. But the goal is, it's not just Dan and myself who are standing up on a Sunday morning who are doing the teaching. God wants that for every single believer. Okay, and it's unfortunate there are Christians who, around this country and around this world who have spent decades sitting in a church and that's all they've ever done. That's not what God expected from his apostles, is it? Not what he expects from us. So again, don't feel a guilt trip. Just figure out where you are and say, Lord, I'm ready. Or, Lord, I've got a couple more things I need to get prep for, but this is my goal. Okay, <laughs> um. I'm jazzed about Evander in the back. I'm, I'm so excited because uh, as of yet, I have had no infant grandbabies. Okay? And, and, and I'm getting that. I, I never understood it being a p young parent and everything. I'm saying, what are old people so wound up about babies? They want grandbabies. All right? Grandbaby. I want grandbaby. Great baby. And I never got it, but I'm starting to get it. You know, to see my children come to the point where they're going to have their own children. And what a blessing, what a joy that is. And you know that desire that God puts in us in that physical realm is that same desire he wants for us to have in the spiritual realm. He wants us to be able to influence people's lives so that those people grow up to influence someone's life for Christ. That's the goal. 
what a joy. And, and Paul says it. He says, you know, there's nothing greater than to watch my children walk in the faith. You know, as he's growing people and helping them guide to, to step up. Someday, we ain't going to be here anymore. And don't we hope that the people that we've worked with in our life for Christ are able to keep going? What happened if God, and this is all commercial, I'm sorry, I'll get to our notes here in a minute. Well, what happened if God just plunked you from where you are right now and dropped you in some uh, place that doesn't have a church, doesn't have a Christian influence, just you? What would happen? Well, you wouldn't be going to church on a Sunday because there ain't no church. We would start a church, right? Okay, that's the goal. We want to all be equipped that no matter where we are, we're carrying out God's work, the Great Commission. Okay, that it doesn't ever stop with any of us. So again, I put this up here just to remind us, we ought to have this goal that God, no matter where you put me in my life, maybe you say, well, I'd never be the pastor of that church. That may be true. But could you help someone grow to be the pastor of that church? Yeah, you absolutely could. Just like I probably am not going to be a sheriff. But one of my kids is a sheriff. Okay, I'm probably not going to be an athletic trainer. Although, i got to tell you, if you've ever seen uh, some of the nations around the world, the people who are in charge of the health ministry, they're bigger than I am. Okay, my point is, I grew my children to become the, the adults they are and carry on our family in different ways than I, that's the same thing we got to be doing, guys. So there's a commercial again. Please remind yourself, and it's not, I'm not going to point at you and tell you where I think you fit. You got to ask God where you fit. That's your job, not mine. I'm glad because I don't want to do that. All right, keep going. Okay, they were sent to the Jews. Verse 5 through 7 talks about do not go to the Gentiles, do not go to the Samaritans. The message that just Jewish Messiah at this point that was giving to the Jewish disciples was to bring a Jewish message okay, about the Jewish kingdom that God had promised. That's very important. We're, this is not the same sort of message that you and I are delivering. Jesus is not telling them, saying, please go out and share the death, burial, and resurrection of me because I'm not dead and buried and resurrected yet okay this is a different message keep that in mind because it's going to play out while we're understanding the rest of this passage all right keep going all right so let's read these couple of verses together starting in verse 16 we'll go through verse 20 oops and my bible is in the book of psalms at the moment Matthew chapter 10 starting in verse 16 Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpent, as harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, and for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought, how or what you should speak for it shall be given you the same hour what ye shall speak for it is not ye that speak but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you let's pray 
Heavenly Father, I just pray you give us some understanding, some wisdom. Jesus gives a good, solid warning here. And even though our message might be slightly different, Lord, we're supposed to go to the entire world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, there are some solid truths we can learn here about what to expect when we go out in this world. So, Father, give us uh, understanding I am not the teacher. I'm just here sharing with brothers and sisters of mine, uh, Lord, so that we can make adjustments to our lives. Lord, on that back door, we have it written, leave changed. Lord, we want to be better servants, better believers, better Christians than when we walked in this morning. So, Father, help us to learn what we need to today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Jesus, throughout the Bible, there, God uses animals as illustrations. And if you don't know this, spend some time reading your Bibles. He talks about uh, rams and bulls and ants and bees and, I mean, just all around. There's tons of things. There's ospreys and eagles and hawks and owls. And God uses all of those, not just to talk about animals. Okay, yep. And he just talks about all these things to use them to illustrate truth to us. Over and over and over he uses it. So we're going to look at why Jesus specifically uses these animals. Okay, he says, I don't, I'm not sending you out as slugs amongst the, uh, you know, he specifically chose these things. So we're going to look at them. Okay, number one. Oh, that's the verse. There it is. Okay, uh, sheep. Okay, interesting i found this and uh, i didn't realize this when i was digging into this word i did a little search in the greek of what this word actually means this is not a description of a sheep okay interestingly enough when you break down the greek word it means one who walks forward or follows it doesn't talk about woolly hair it doesn't talk about bleating it doesn't talk about a ram and a lamb and, and any of that stuff the Greek word just means something that walks forward following something else. What an amazing illustration that God gives us right there. We could park all morning on just this alone. All right? Um, this is why God calls us sheep. Now, here's an interesting aspect. I uh, Just study animals. You know you can't drive sheep. There are people who try but you know what shepherds do, right? Okay, you could drive cattle, you could drive horses, you could do the illustration and the most effective way to guide sheep is to lead them. That you walk in front of them and they will follow you. I just found it interesting. There's very little description of an animal here. Okay, it does make mention of a quadruped just because of the language of a four-legged creature. But the description has nothing to do with any of physical attributes of a sheep. It's just that they follow. Interesting. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus says, when you go out, I'm sending you out as sheep. One, ones who are followers. And so often... Uh, and I know some churches get, and some ministers get wound up on this, that, you know, well, I don't like calling myself a Christian. I don't like calling myself a believer. I call myself a follower of Christ. Okay, well, fantastic. You can use whatever description you want, but the goal is the same. Jesus is my leader, and I'm following him. And we're going to get back to this. Now, I want this to be absolutely most important. That Jesus says, listen, I'm sending you out, but I'm sending you out because you are one of my followers. 
That's the first qualification here. Okay, let's look at a couple other verses. Oops. Okay, so we jumped to wolves. Okay. Fall, oop, go back. Yep. So wolves, so he says, I send you out as sheep, followers of me, and I send you to beware of wolves. All the time in the Bible, every time you find them, if they are not listed in just a, a zoo-type uh, inventory that God gives us, they are always pictured as false teachers and false prophets. Okay, you see this often. One of the verses here, Matthew, we already read. Okay, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, right? But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Keep going. Acts chapter 20, Paul's saying the same thing. I, yeah, not Paul saying the same thing, but when you're dealing with uh, the whole story of Paul and Silas and these guys, take heed therefore unto yourselves and into the flock of God over which you are, uh, the Holy Ghost has made you overseers unto feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. So he's talking about the same thing. Remember God's goal is for every one of us to feed the flock of God. We're his sheep, we're his followers. Every believer should be doing that. Keep going. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. So Jesus says, listen, you guys are going out. You need to go out as followers of me. That's what I'm sending you as. And number two, be careful, because there are a lot of people out there whose desire is for you to become followers of them. There will be false teachers. There will be those who are grievous wolves. They're for no other purpose than to derail people with false doctrine. Okay, and over and over, there's a lot more verses on this. I wanna, wanna, don't want to delve into all morning into this. But understand, this is the same kind of commandment that you and I have, isn't it? We go out as Christians. What is a Christian? A Christ-like one? A follower of Jesus? That's the primary goal. And we're going to read the rest of a large portion of the chapter, uh, John chapter 10, in a few minutes to end this morning. But he says, be careful. When you go out as followers, there are a lot of those out there who are not. And they may speak a lot of things that sound like Jesus. They might use his name. They might have the word Christian involved with their church or their ministry or their uh, denomination. But they're just wolves in sheep's clothing. Be careful. They're going to come with a lot of false doctrine and try to drag people away to be followers. Man, if you don't see it, don't look for it. But okay, there are feeds I get on my phone and things like that that are ministries from different places in the world, especially televangelists and those who have these big impact churches. And they're more interested in getting followers for themselves. Matter of fact, I saw, I'm not going to use his name because he's a little bit popular out there, but he was standing in his pulpit the other day talking about how they must be doing God's work because they got jets. Not just one jet, we got two jets. So because we have these two jets, God is blessing our ministry. Well, I know a lot of people who have got jets that has nothing to do with Jesus. Okay, be careful. That's how they're gauging their ministry is how much money they're getting to buy fancy things. We need to be followers of Christ. Don't worry about the funds. 
And we talked about that this morning in Sunday school, if you were there. Those who are lovers and seeking of silver, right, Dan? Be careful. They're out there. Okay, keep going. Serpents. Now, here's an interesting one, and I want to delve into this a little bit just to make sure that we as a church get this. All, out, all through the scripture, a serpent is referred to as either the devil or evil. Okay, how many of you know the story? Okay, uh, what's the Genesis chapter 3? You don't get into the Bible, but three chapters you see a serpent. Okay, and right into the end, keep going, right into the end in Revelation. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent. Okay, uh, called the devil and Satan. Do we have an idea what the Bible's trying to tell us? When it talks about a serpent who we're talking about, we see him in the very beginning in Genesis. We see him at the very end. Okay, Revelation chapter 20, verse 2 says the same thing. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Okay, throughout the scripture, we're talking about this idea that the serpent is a picture of the devil and evil. So why then, why, why, why would Jesus say to his apostles, I want to send you out as followers of me. Watch out for false teachers. They're out there. But I want you to be wise as serpents. Yeah. All right. If the picture in the scripture is Satan is the serpent, he wants us to be wise as the devil. And there's some interesting concepts. There's those who'll take serpents and just naturally, well, you know, it's hard to see a serpent. They hide in the bushes. Oh, so Jesus wants us to hide in the bushes? Okay, or you know, well, we talk in a minute about doves. We're supposed to be harmless as doves, but Satan's, uh, you know, serpents have poison, and they're, you know, they're just stealthy. And so, what is Jesus talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. All right, um, keep going. Why would Jesus instruct us to be wise as serpent? What is this wisdom that he's talking about? Well, one of the great uh, rules of Bible study is first mention. Okay, go to where God talks about it the first time, and he generally sets up a pattern that doesn't change throughout the whole scripture. Okay, God is consistent. So where's the first time we, met, we meet this serpent? Go to Genesis if you want to, or it's going to be up here on the thing, right? Go back so I can read those last two lines, are you? Okay, we see it the first time in the book of Genesis. What wisdom does he offer? And if you were in Sunday school, this is going to give you chills because God hasn't changed his desire and his design from the beginning. Now we can go to Genesis. Thanks, hon. Okay. The serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Listen to what it says now. For God doth know that the day ye eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When Jesus says, I want you to be wise as serpents, he's trying to remind us that we need to know the difference between good and evil. Now, if you were in Sunday school this morning, when we looked at Paul's instructions to Timothy, he said, Timothy, there is a lot of behavior in this world that you need to be aware of. Right? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, lovers of own self, boasters, haters, disobedient to parents, all the things that we covered that we were looking at. Man, I'm telling you, it's, go back and listen to it. Got me jazzed. I don't, don't know if you can tell. You and I, when we go out as followers of Jesus, and we have to watch out for our, the doctrine because there are false teachers out there, wolves, he also says, when you go out there, you better know the difference between good and evil. 
There are a lot of people in this world who are calling good evil and evil good. Even in Christian circles, in churches, things that God absolutely condemns and calls abominations, people are saying, oh no, you know, it's all about love. Because Jesus loves us, he loves me enough to let me do whatever I want. I said this the other day, this is a great illustration, is if I saw my two boys back when they were like seven and five and a half or six, I saw one running by with a gas can and then the other one running by with a lighter, dad's going to have something to say. Okay, I'm going to go out there and stop them from doing what they're about to do because it's dangerous and they shouldn't be doing it. But don't you love them? If you love them, you should let them do whatever. They need to experience this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I'll experience watching them fly across the yard, you know? There are certain things as a loving parent that you tell somebody, no. But we got this idea in Christianity now that there's no such thing as the word no, that love means yes to everything. And God is warning us, guys. He said, you need to be wise as serpents. You need to know the difference between what is evil, what is wrong, what is sinful, and what is good in God's eyes. And that's the problem in this world. We've lost this imagery. God, the creator of all, the designer of all, the one who set the standards knows what is good and what is evil and has defined it pretty clearly. And who do we think as human beings that we can say, oh, you know, well, love trumps everything. I saw a bumper sticker that the other day. I'm like, oh, so I love my boys. Go play with the gas and lighter. Knock yourself out. Literally, you probably will. Knock yourself out. This is why we don't let that age kids mow the yard they're not ready okay this is why you don't leave don't mean to be offend somebody this is why you don't leave a loaded weapon laying around in your home because they're not ready you as a parent go oh no you are not allowed to do that because it is dangerous it is going to hurt you But I need to just explore myself. <laughs> no, you don't. I need to see what it feels like to be covered with gasoline and let on fire. No, there are certain things we know without a question of a doubt that are dangerous and that are wrong. And so when God says this, he's not giving us permission to act like the devil. He's giving us the understanding that, you know what the devil told you right in the very beginning, Eve? The temptation to all humanity was, you'll know the difference between good and evil. What a, what a, and here's a little commercial. What a joy it must have been to not know that something was evil, to just be innocent. To live in a world where God had provided everything for you and set one guideline, just one, just one. And we couldn't do it. There was one commandment. See that tree over there? And we're not talking about a little garden that's like as big as this church property. We're talking about hundreds of acres and there's one tree we're talking about thousands of other trees god says see that just one tree that's the one i don't want you to eat of and you know the one we had to go eat of 
We need, as we're going out, so get this. Jesus is saying, I want you to go out, please, as my followers, beware of the false teaching that's out there, and you better understand that there are things that are wrong and things that are correct. There are things that are sinful, and there are things that are good. And be ready to recognize it and call it out and protect yourself from it. Okay, another illustration of this, and this is, I love this, keep going. Um, we're to be wise about sin. Remember the illustration that God gives us about Jesus and his death on the cross? So back in the, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, there it is. Israel was being plagued by serpents, and God sent a cure. So children of Israel, there was these fiery serpents that were coming in to the village and biting anybody. And people were dying. So they said, Moses, what are we supposed to do? And God, the Moses approached God, and God gives them a fix to this. Okay, here we go. Look at it, uh, Genesis, uh, Numbers chapter 21. And the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set upon a pole, that it may come to pass, that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass, if the serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now this is a picture of Jesus on the cross. Okay, and you say, Pastor, wait a second. Now you're stretching it a little bit. Book of John. John chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God himself makes the comparison. He says, you know what we put up on that pole in the wilderness? Was a serpent. Now, don't you think if this was a cure, you'd have put something that was happy and, you know, how about a dove? How about something wonderful? He puts a serpent up there. Why? The serpent through the scripture represents sin. You're going to be wise as a serpent. You better know what sin is. Jesus became sin for us. That's why this imagery that the, the serpent on the pole you look to that serpent on the pole, and you live. We're not looking to the devil on the pole, but we're looking to the fact that the sin is being taken care of. Okay? This is my, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ hung on the cross and took the sins of the entire world upon himself. God made him the bearer of our sins so that we could be made the righteousness of God. That is why you ever wonder where in the, in the story we read at Easter time it says God turned his back on Christ? Because at that moment Christ was bearing the sins of the entire world and our holy heavenly father, God Jehovah, cannot bear to look upon that sin. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because for a moment, God had to look away because Jesus became the sins of the entire world. That's not me saying it, guys, right? Right there it says it. He made him to be sin for us. Moses put up a pole and on it hung the image of sin and evil. God is telling us, be wise as serpents. When we go out there as his followers amongst a world full of wicked, grievous, false teachers, 
that we need to be aware of what sin is. Now, I love this because my natural being goes, oh, yeah, I see the sin of this world. That's all over the place. That's the easy part. You know what's the hard part? When I go out in this world and say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I have to look at my own sin and say, am I representing Jesus the way I ought to be representing him? I better beware. I better be wise. If I'm going out there representing Jesus and I'm doing a bunch of behaviors that are sinful and ungodly, I need to be wise. And then he says one more thing. Doves. Now this is interesting. Uh, remember I told you how this is so much of a Jewish focus and we'd be hammering that every single week, how much this is a Jewish focus. Um, many associate the dove with the Holy Spirit, and peace and gentleness, and most people do that because when uh, Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, right? Straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. Love you very much, but I don't necessarily think this was actually a dove. And we see all these pictures of a dove floating and landing on Jesus. Uh, there's important words in the Bible when something says it was like a dove. Okay. Hey, that looks like a cow. Does that mean it is? No, it's a close description of it. Okay. Just understanding and, and Christianity. And again, I'm not telling you this is the same thing. Please, please don't take this out of context. Some people will go nuts. Okay. Um, there is no such thing as a female angel in the Bible. They're always men in their presentation in the Bible. Either that or there's something with four faces and six wings and probably something I wouldn't have displayed around my house, okay? But how many of the angels that we buy and display all over our house are women angels? Am I telling you to throw out all your women angels? No! Don't be crazy, okay? But... So many Christians, so many churches, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, and they have doves all over everything. Doves, doves, doves. And it's like, because that represents the Spirit. Yeah, okay, maybe. Because at one time, one story, a spirit like a dove came down onto Jesus. You've got to be careful on how we do these things. This imagery, sometimes it gets out of control. You want to know that more often than not, the children of Israel was referred to as a dove throughout the Old Testament. You read the Song of Solomon where he's talking about his love, okay, that she's a dove. Several different times in Ezekiel and Jeremiah it talks about God delivering Israel on the wings of a dove to a place that we'll be going. Um, what's the other one? Uh, in Psalms and Proverbs it talks about God's love toward them that they're like ten, his tender dove. More often than not, the dove is a representation of the children of Israel than it is the Spirit of God. Okay? Please don't go home and say, I have a dove pin. Pastor told me I need to throw it out. Didn't say that. Okay? Don't get crazy. But we just need to be wise in God's word. All right? Because uh, people think if they put a dove you know, bumper sticker on the dashboard of their car, the Holy Spirit's with them. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Okay? He's in your heart, not on your dashboard, not on your back bumper, all right? Understand it, just, just something. So God says to this group of people who are Jewish, with a Jewish message given by a Jewish Messiah, and he says, I want you to go out 
I want you to understand you represent me. You're my followers. Watch out for the false doctrines. Be careful of the sin. And you ought to be as harmless as doves. You ought to be going out there gentle, representing me. As a matter of fact, with that in mind, though, even though it's a Jewish picture more than not, because you don't... Did I write it up there? Oh, yes, I did. Ah, keep going back. It's only used in the Gospels. You never see a dove spoken of ever when it comes to the church. In all the church epistles and everything that Paul wrote, once you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it stops right there. There's never a mention of a dove again. Okay? Reminding us again how much of a Jewish imagery this is. But that doesn't mean that you and I aren't supposed to be harmless, right? Now I can go to that verse. Thanks, man. Okay, We are to be harmless like a dove. Philippians says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shines as light as, shine as lights in the world. That just sums up what Jesus said. Even though he was speaking to a bunch of Jews with a Jewish message to go to the Jewish people, it's the same thing. He sends us out to be lights in this world. Okay? Harmless sons of God bringing our message. Okay, keep going. So a couple questions real quick before we move on. Are you a follower of Jesus? Or do you just like putting the name Christian on you? Now, I'm telling you, I'm not saying that you're not someone who has trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and you have guaranteed salvation. There are people who've done that who aren't following Jesus. Are you following him? Do you, what, what's the verse we read a couple of minutes ago? My sheep hear my voice. Are you spending time in God's word? Hard to think it, uh, if sheep are known by following and hearing the shepherd's voice. This is why, guys, we harp on this. I don't go, all right, you're not going to get your Christmas bonus from the church if you don't show me that you read the Bible 365 days a year. I'm taking attendance here. How many of you read all seven days this week? Because I'm keeping track. No. The reason we read it is because if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we ought to be listening to his voice. Imagine if the shepherd decided to walk off and sheep weren't paying attention and all of a sudden the shepherd's flock's way over here and they don't even know where the shepherd is. As a matter of fact, you can go to the Bible and find about 12 different verses that talk about smiting the sheep of the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered abroad. That a problem with the sheep is when they're not close to their shepherd, they're a mess. Guys, are you followers? Are we? Not just, hey, I asked Jesus to be my savior. Are you following him? Are you listening to his voice? Number two, are we careful about false teachers and false doctrine? Part of that means knowing God's word, knowing his truth. We don't, if we're not weary of that, and I'm very thankful here at our church, we, we focus on this all, all the time, is we're going right to the scriptures and finding out what God's word says. I don't care what the denomination says or any place else, I want to know what God's word says. All right, number three, are we wise about sin? Not just the sin around us, but also our own. If I'm representing Jesus, boy, I better be doing it with a pretty clean life. At least it's trying. Okay, last one. Are we harmless, gentle, are we lights in this sinful world? Um, one of the greatest examples, and we've talked about this before, is the word of God is not a sledgehammer to beat people with. 
Okay, the word of God is described more like a scalpel. You go in with precision. You go in with carefulness. We don't go out bullheaded and pound people. Jesus says, feed doves. Bring a message of love to folks. Not love, let's say, you still need, you see how he ties these together? One is, be a follower of me. Don't fall for false doctrine. Number two, watch out for sin, but you need to go out with love. These two fit so closely together. All right, there's a couple more things I want to cover before we're done, right? Uh, so he says, beware of men, right? He says, because they're going to bring you before councils. <laughs> this makes me laugh when it comes to uh, po politics or anything else in this world. You know, wherever you find the phrase council or the word council in your Bible, it is never, ever in a positive light. Okay. As a matter of fact, you know, Dan and I have talked about this before, uh, that majority rule generally messes things up in the Bible. Okay, You'll have a, a, a large group of people and two people say, no, this is what the Lord told us. But the majority rules and it's a stupid decision. Always in the Bible. You never find it being a good decision. God says, listen, they'll bring you before councils. You want to know what the biblical definition of this word council is here in the New Testament? is defined as a group of immovable people. You ever see any of these folks? You see them all over the place. You get a group of people together and they're so set in their lace, they don't want to listen to anything else. They're just, they got a stake driven, driven into the ground and they ain't moving from it. Hard-headed, obnoxious, immovable people. God says be careful. Now again, take this into consideration. Remember he just told us if you go someplace and there's a city that doesn't want to hear about Jesus, move on. If there's a house that doesn't want to find somebody who's willing to, he said, you're going to run into groups of people, councils, official groups that have you know, decision-making power, and they're going to be so stubborn and set in their ways. Don't be surprised when you go out because you're going to find that. He also says you're going to wind up finding uh, synagogues. Go on to the next one. Synagogue. Now remember, this is a Jewish focus. We're not talking about going before, you know, Gentile religious groups. We're talking about the synagogues. And he says, you'll be scourged in the synagogues. Because there's some people in this world that are so set in their religious ways, they don't want to hear anything that differs from that. And how many times, especially in the life of the Apostle Paul and the book of Acts, where he is brought before the synagogue, and they're asking him questions on why is he teaching different than the culture and the customs of their religious teaching. Well, granted, maybe we're not going out and going to be driven in, dragged in the synagogue, but we are going to bump into people when we're out delivering a message that's different than their religious beliefs. And we have to be ready for the fact that it's not going to be always easily accepted. He said, you're going to be brought up into groups of people who are hard-headed and immovable. You're going to bump into people who are in religious groups who aren't going to want to listen either. And I'm telling you, that one of the most dangerous things in our world is denominations. You know how many times we are upset because so many parents have given their children under the control of a small board of people that sit over in an educational system? We get upset because our government is controlling millions of people's lives by just a very small group of elite leaders. 
But you know what? It's the same thing that happens in, sometimes in religion, that you have a denomination where there are thousands of people in that, but the denomination sets its biblical standards. I won't even say that. It's religious standards by a small group of people that sit in an office building somewhere around a table and conference about what they think that everybody should believe. I'm just telling you, when it comes to large, large groups of people, God never really puts it in a great light. Why? Because you're not supposed to listen to me. Well, pastor, you're doing the talking. Yeah, but you're supposed to listen to this. Granted, I got a big mouth and I'm up here doing it every week. But if you're doing it because I told you, stop. Do it because this says it. Lord forbid someday any of us, including me, stand before God and God says, well, why'd you do this? And I say, well, so-and-so told me to. He's going to go, no, what were you doing? That You make the decision for your own self. That's why it's very important. And Jesus has given warning. He says, you're going to be given the message to deliver to the individual people but be careful, you're going to bump into councils and religious groups and kings and governors, leaders in the secular community who are going to resist the message that you have to bring. Remember, when we go out to reach people, it's me reaching that one person that I'm talking to. And let God's Holy Spirit work on their heart. Don't be surprised if we get resistance from groups as a whole god doesn't have a whole lot of good thing to, to say about groups as a whole god wants an individual's heart and that's what we need to focus on okay keep going oh yeah governors and kings he says you'll stand before leaders and give a testimony and he talks about the greeks and stuff in there important now there's one thing i want to finish with and this is that passage about you don't have to think about what you're going to say okay this is a problem if you take that very, very literally. Okay? Duh. Okay. I'm just going to go out there and talk about Jesus. Okay? Um, one thing I want to focus on is this is written to a Jewish group with a Jewish message to a people who know who Messiah is, who are very aware of the prophecies that have gone on for years, Okay, we're not talking about people who are oblivious or non-understanding about the background that Messiah and Jehovah God. These are people who are well understanding the promises of God. So when God's saying, you know, just go out there and you'll get the answers, I'll just miraculously pop it in your head. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that they've grown up with this understanding. We as Gentiles, and that's why the verse before talks about Gentiles being set off in this testimony, okay? Gentiles don't know Jehovah. They don't know Jesus. They don't know anybody. He's talking about you have a whole group of people who already understand the whole scope of this. They're just waiting for Messiah. But I also want you, us to understand that Jesus is about to switch gears in his teaching, okay? He's about to stop talking about this individual event and he's going to start talking about a future job that the children of Israel have in the last days. Okay? And if you want just the insight into this, look, if you would, down to verse 23. 
So Jesus says, listen, I'm brother against brother. When you go out to speak, he said, you know, you're going to run and hide. For my name's sake, look at verse 23. He says, but when they persecute you in the city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the city of Israel till the Son of Man come. Jesus is the Son of Man. He is there right now. He's talking about a future event when Jesus comes again. So he's talking about, listen, there's going to be a message that you Jewish folks have to deliver that is going to be very difficult at a certain time. And again, I don't want to get into all this, but God sets apart 144,000 Jews and they wind up being martyrs and they have a terrible message and God delivers the children of Israel. And Matthew chapter 24 talks about, listen, if you're on the housetop, flee. God forbid you're with child, flee. Get, run. Okay? He says this is where the second coming comes in. Jesus is changing his tone here. And this is why this is so very important that we understand this is a Jewish message to a Jewish group of people about a Jewish Messiah. They already had background. So when you're going, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to study. God will just pop into my brain what I need to tell them. No, they have a history. They have an understanding of this. Okay, what's the commandment for you and I? Okay, that's why I was just reading that, right? Going to the next one. Jesus begins to speak about a Jewish future. Christians have a different approach. What is a Christian's approach? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Keep going. First Peter, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer. When it comes to us as believers, there's preparation that we need to take. We need to be studying. We need to be digging in. We need to be prepared to give an answer. Okay, we didn't grow up in a Jewish culture understanding all this since grandma, grandpa, great, 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 all the way down the line has been telling us about this our whole lives. Our job as a church is to go out there and know God's word and know our Savior. So this is why this is very important. People will take this and say, well, you know, God will give you that. And yeah, how many of you ever been talking to somebody and you quoted a Bible verse you didn't even know you had filed in your brain? Hey, you're doing something, you're reading, you know, he asks you a question, you don't say, and God says in, in Jeremiah this, and you go, and I'm like, I didn't even know I knew that verse. Sometimes God does that work that way. But God's not saying, be a dunce, and I'll pop thoughts into your brain. Okay, he wants us to study, He because how are we going to know who's a wolf and who's not, if we're not in touch with God's doctrine and knowing it? So even though he says there, listen, I'm going to send you before kings and governors and there's a future time where you guys will be preaching. You have the history. You know the truth. You don't have to, you know, be worried about, well, Jesus, what am I going to say to my fellow Jewish people about Messiah? They already know. You and I have a different message, and that is Jesus came as the Savior of this world. He died on the cross to remove sin. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's our amazing message as Christians. All right, so next week we're going to dig into a few more, and we just kind of prefaced it a little bit. Jesus gives a couple of more warnings, but some of these warnings are about what's going to happen in the future. All right, so there you go. Back to the questions at hand. Are you a sheep? Are you a follower? Let's read one passage, and then we'll be, go on for the Lord's Supper. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, 
the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Keep going. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This is a parable Jesus uh, spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what the sayings, uh, not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the, wait, didn't, let me <laughs> but the sheep did not hear them. Okay, thanks. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go out and in and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to, uh, for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own, sheep, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and have known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. A little bit more. Other sheep have I, love that verse, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they'll hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That last verse, I love it. He's talking right then to the disciples, but he says, you know what? There's other sheep out there. That's you and me. Are you a follower of Jesus? How many times in that verse did Jesus say how much he loves us, but remind us that we hear his voice and follow him? So as we go out into this world, which is what we're sent to do every week, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Are we doing it as followers? Not just as somebody who asks Jesus to be their savior who likes to use the name Christian, but literally followers of Jesus who are listening to his voice. Beware, there are false teachers out there. Remember, we're supposed to represent him, so understand what sin is, and go out there as lights in the world because they need to hear it. Amen? All right, at this time, uh, we're going to prepare to have the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, we do this every month. And again, there is nothing... Uh, sacred about juice and crackers what we are doing is taking a moment to check in with our heavenly father and see how we're doing we're sitting across the table for him for a minute and saying been a month since we talked lord and i want to make sure i'm examining myself that's what first corinthians reminds us of it says let a man examine himself we ought to be saying father it's been a tough one this last month Father, it's been a great one. I've seen amazing things go on. But the goal here is not to add some sort of special substance to our body that gives us a holiness. It's we remember that he sacrificed his body to defeat the power of sin and sacrifice his blood so he can be the savior of the world.